I leaned over during that uh, that hymn and asked Billy if he'd ever heard that song. What do you think he said? No. I told him it was an old classic Baptist song in the Baptist hymnal. And he said, well, that's why I never heard it. He didn't grow up that way. How many of you had never heard that song, Blessed Assurance? Anybody else in the room? Billy, you're alone. <laughs> you're the only one. See, I guess some of you have been in the South long enough you've heard that song. That song was written 160 years ago by a woman named Fanny Crosby who was blind. When she was an infant, there was a medical accident and she lost her sight. But what's interesting, when you look at her hymns, and she wrote over a thousand songs, when you look at them, quite often she talks about sight, about seeing, about vision, even though she's blind. And in the one we just sang, visions of rapture now burst on my sight. She had this uncanny ability to see biblical truth, to see biblical images, to see spiritual reality and write about it. And there are many of us who, when it comes to our physical eyesight, it's 2020, we don't even need contacts or glasses, but when it comes to spiritual things, when it comes to the Word of God, our vision's not as good. We struggle to see and hear God and understand. Jesus spoke very clearly about the importance of having spiritual vision, of being able to see the things of God, to see and hear the Word of God as the Holy Spirit enables it to speak into our hearts and souls. So if you have your Bible, I invite you to open it with me to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6. This is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, the most famous sermon Jesus ever preached. Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 are his sermon on the mount. And in chapter 6, right in the middle of it, if you will, in verses 22 and following, Jesus said, The eye, your eye, my eye, the eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, notice this, if your eye is clear, then your whole body, will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, if your eye is bad, your vision is bad, then your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. Now just let that sink in for a moment. Jesus said your eyes, referring to your literal physical eye, but that word also in Scripture is used figuratively to refer to our ability to understand something, our intellectual wisdom and insight into things. So it's both of those. And so Jesus says your eye, your literal eye and your spiritual eye, figuratively, he says, listen, your eye is the lamp to your body, to your life. What does a lamp do? gives light so we can see. This, this word in the original text is the picture of a portable light, a, a candle or some type of, of, of light that someone could carry around. So as they were walking, it would give light to where they were going in a dark place, whether it was outside or in a, in a dark room at night. shows us the way to go. It's like this flashlight. 
if we were, is that bright? Pretty good, pretty bright. If we were to turn out all the lights, I could see. This would be a lamp. This would be a portable light that I could take with me everywhere I'm walking so that I wouldn't have to stub my toe, bump into something in the dark, fall, trip. I could see. I could know what's around me because, is that bright? Okay. Just making sure you're awake over there. Uh, That's what a light does. That is exactly what this word means. Jesus says that's what your eye does for the body. Your ability to see not only physically but spiritually, emotionally, to be able to see things the way God does, to see things through his lens, through his word, shapes your life. Where you walk, how you walk, whether you stand erect or you trip, whether you get someplace good or you end up someplace bad, your eye, he says, is the lamp that gives light to your body, to your lifestyle. In Luke 11, when this same same story or same teaching of Jesus is recorded, there's a little bit added there where, where it says, If therefore your whole body is full of light with no dark part in it, it will be wholly illumined as when the lamp illumines you with its rays. So Jesus is saying, listen, when you have the light of God in you because your eyes are clear and you and you allow the light of God to get into your life and direct your life, it's like you are living with a flashlight that helps you see where you're going. Now he says, if your eye is clear, okay, back in Matthew chapter 6, Verse 22 and so on. He says, if your eye is clear, that means it doesn't have cataracts. It's not folded over. It's not blurry. It's, it's, it's not foggy, but it's clear. And, and, and you know, it's, it's, it's not a, a, a bulb, if you will, that, that has mud on it, and therefore the light can't get out. Your eye is clear. It's single, the King James says, because it's just one clear lens. He says, if that's the case, you have a good eye, then your whole body is going to be full of light. But if your eye is bad, or the NIV says unhealthy, or uh, the King James says evil, it's the idea that, that your eye doesn't see clearly, doesn't see things the way God does, and so therefore you're unhealthy. You make sinful decisions, bad decisions, wrong choices. He said the result of that is that your body, your life, your decisions, your priorities, your way of doing things is going to be darkness. And in Scripture, light is often a symbol for holiness and purity in God and obedience, and darkness is often a symbol for sin and disobedience and failure and what is the opposite of God. And so Jesus is saying the way you live, the way you think, the way you make decisions about life, the way you go through your time on this earth is shaped by your literal and your figurative, your physical and your spiritual eyes. Do you see clearly or not? Are you looking at the right things or not? And so... We've chosen a word that we want to be our word as a congregation for 2020. And that word is clarity. That we be able to see clearly. Because the only way to walk in obedience to the will of God is to have clear vision. 
to see things the way God sees them. That's true of us as a congregation. That is true of you as a family, as a husband, as a wife. That's true of you as an individual disciple. That's true of you in any sphere, any aspect of your life is the only way to accomplish what God has for you is to have clarity and your ability to see things the way God sees things. Billy Judge has this sense of clarity that God has put Pittsburgh in front of them, and that's where I want you to go. Does he understand everything that's going to happen when he gets there? No. Does he have a strategy? Yes. But does he know where God wants him to go? Yes. Does he have a name? Yes. Here's a map of downtown Pittsburgh that we're going to put out in the lobby so every time you walk by, you can pray for Still City Church because there's clarity that God is calling him and others and us to partner to plant a church there. You can't do that if you don't have a sense of clarity about what God wants in your life. Jesus said, if your eye is clear, then you're going to be filled with light. But if your eye is bad, you're going to be stumbling around in the dark and just making mistake after mistake after mistake. In our Vision 21 document, there's a paragraph on Sunday school. This coming year, we're going to get clarity on Sunday school because we're committed to Sunday school. It's important. God uses it. But one of the challenges we have is that there are too many ideas floating around about what the purpose of Sunday school is and how we do it. We're going to get clarity this coming year on what is the role of Sunday school and how do we do it right, and we're going to get on board with that. Because without clarity, we'll continue to stumble around in the darkness and not be as effective as we need to be. Jesus said your eye needs to be clear. Your eye needs to be clear. Now, I want you to think about this sermon what, what's Jesus what's Jesus really saying here because right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount he's talking about he's talking about your eye and is it clear and are you walking in light or darkness well he, he drives the point home notice how he ends the Sermon on the Mount the very end of chapter 7 verse 24 he said therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them He's to be considered a wise man. Then he goes on to talk about somebody building a house on a solid foundation that stands against the storms or he builds a house on a a sandy foundation and it can't stand up against the storm. What Jesus is saying is your life, your discipleship, your walk with God, your marriage, your, 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 your life, you want to build it on a good foundation. And the only way to do that is to hear what he says and then do something with what he says, to act on it. That's how we gain clarity. We have to know what he says, and then we have to act on it. In Second Peter chapter 1, I love this passage because Peter is describing how he and the other apostles, disciples, spent those three years with Jesus, and they saw fulfilled before their very eyes all the things that the Old Testament had prophesied about Jesus. And then he wrote in his letter, Second Peter, he wrote this. He said, we have the prophetic word. All the things that the Old Testament said about the Messiah, we have it made, we have it made more sure because not only do we know it because it was in the Old Testament, we know it because we saw it, we experienced it, we heard it firsthand. And notice what he added, to which you do well to pay attention which you do well to pay attention, what? As to a lamp shining in a dark place 
Peter is saying, you need to pay attention to what the Scripture says because the Scripture is a lamp shining in a dark place. How many of you as children memorize that Old Testament verse, your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. I have hidden your word in my heart. Why? that I may not sin against you. Now, here's the thing, folks. If you're going to hide something, you're going to hide treasure, you're going to bury it, you're going to hide it, it takes some effort and it takes intentionality. And you're not going to hide the Word of God in your heart and in your life without some effort and intentionality. And if you want to have God's light and God's lamp so that you can live the way God's calling you to live, then you must Pay attention to the Word of God. You must dig into it and bury it, bury it, bury it in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, in your life. Otherwise, you're going to be stumbling around with very little spiritual light. I've mentioned previously that Lifeway, which is a part of our convention, conducted the largest research project on discipleship that's ever been done. And they identified the two most influential, the two most important factors in spiritual growth in people becoming mature disciples and followers of Jesus Christ. The number one factor, head and shoulders above every other factor, was Bible engagement. And Bible engagement is more than simply reading Scripture. Bible engagement means that we read it, we think about what it says, we meditate on it, we reflect on it, we apply it to our lives, and then we do something with it. We engage, we interact, we don't just read. I like uh, this this anonymous quote that said, reading the Bible without meditating on it is like trying to eat without swallowing. You gotta swallow it to get the nutrients you have to digest it. You have to, you have to engage with the Word of God. James Merritt, who's a, a pastor in the Atlanta area, he said, and I like this quote, he said, the primary purpose of reading the Bible is not to know the Bible. Too many of us think the, that Sunday school and, and discipleship and Bible, it's just so I can know, so I can say, I've, I, I want to I read the whole Bible so I can say I've read the whole Bible. He said, no, the purpose of Bible reading is to know God to get to know God, to grow in our relationship with Him. You see, having clear eyes and having light in our bodies and our lives means we are engaging with God. I don't get to walk around for three years in the Middle East with Jesus the way the 12 disciples do. But I do get to pick up His Word every single day and have an encounter, have an interaction Listen to him, hear him as the Holy Spirit speaks to my heart. Engage with his word, engage with him through his word and through prayer. The second factor, the number one factor in spiritual growth was Bible engagement. The second most important factor in spiritual growth, spiritual development was a small group accountability. Being part of a smaller group where you're taking the Word of God that you've engaged with and you're talking about it and you are positively encouraging, positively holding each other accountable for reading the Word of God, interacting with the Word of God, and responding to the Word of God. Those two factors are head and shoulders above everything else 
in determining spiritual development, spiritual growth. Now, you've heard me talk since late summer about our D groups, and we're going to commission some D groups in a few moments and launch them in, in uh, uh, January. But this past Tuesday, Christmas Eve morning, I met with my D group out at Dunkin' Donuts. And, and we were talking about what that, this experience has meant to us and something that each of us, each guy in the group said, each of us, myself included, we have never read the Bible as consistently as we have as part of this group. Never. And we've learned more and we've grown. That's just what God does. Now, I know that most of you are not going to be in a D group this next year. My prayer is that over the next two, three, four years, everybody in this room will be part of a D group, a discipleship group, because I want you to grow. I want you, I want you to have that experience of, of exponential growth and get to the place that you're then able to turn around and do that for others, develop them, help them grow as disciples. But right now, that's not where we are. But you can have an encounter with God every day. You can engage with his word every day. And I want you to do that. I want you to have that experience and I want you to grow. Even if you're not part of a small group, you can still engage with God's word and with Jesus Christ. And we've got some tools to help you with that. Brother Steve earlier mentioned that uh, the Vision 21 pamphlet was in your seat, your chair. So is this, a New Testament reading plan. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to take this home with you and put it in your Bible. This is a reading plan that, that if you will follow, here's what happens. Now, this is not the whole Bible. This is the New Testament. We want to focus on the New Testament in 2020. And what will happen if you'll do this is you will read one chapter of the New Testament a day, five days a week. So you get two days to catch up. You'll miss a day now and then. Okay, so five chapters a week, starting in Luke's Gospel. It's a systematic reading plan. If you do this, five chapters a week, at the end of 52 weeks, at the, at the end of one year, by the time you get to January 2021, you will have read every chapter in the New Testament. Now think about that. Not just picking up your Bible and saying, where am I going to read today? Where does it fall open to? Well, I don't like that part, so I'm not going to read it. but systematically reading the entire New Testament. Now, you don't read all four Gospels back to back. Just follow the reading plan that is on this. And by the way, next week we'll have a bookmark for you that has it as well. The other thing we're making available to you as a tool is this journal. And on the tables in the back of the room are hundreds of these journals. And uh, they just basically have blank pages on the inside. But also on the inside cover... And the back cover is this reading plan. So you have the reading plan in this bifold. You have the reading plan next Sunday in a bookmark. And you have the reading plan in these journals. And we'd love for each of you to get a journal and take it with you. And why, why a journal? Because remember, the number one factor in spiritual growth, having your eyes clear and filled with light, is not just to read the Scripture but to engage with it. And what I'm asking you to do, what I'm asking each and every one of you to do is to read a chapter of the New Testament, one chapter, five days a week, and then on a page in here put Luke chapter Luke 1 and then just write, what did God say to you? Maybe there's a verse or a phrase that stood out to you. 
You were reading and, and, and pray before you read, God, speak to me. God, speak to me. Speak to me. And whatever God says, you write about it. It might be two or three sentences. It might be a whole page. Some of you, you know, want to write books. That's okay. You'll need more than one journal. Others of you, two or three sentences will do it. doesn't matter. The point is, are you hearing from God every day and are you interacting with him? Are you capturing what he says? And so we want you to get a copy of the journal and do that. The third thing we're doing, the third tool, is on Wednesday nights for the Steve Polk, Jamie Burdett, and myself, we're going to team teach a class, a survey of the New Testament. And you can come to our class when they, they kick off in January, and uh, whatever the five chapters were that you read that week, we're going to talk about those five chapters. We're going to teach you some stuff, and we're going to have a lot of interaction because we want you to engage with the Word of God. We want you to grow as a disciple. Now, some of you are saying, yeah, I like reading the Bible. Preacher, I just don't journal. Can I tell you why I'm challenging you to journal and why I'm also in 2020 going to challenge everybody in this church to take notes on every sermon you hear? Because we all have our own ideas. We all have our own opinions about stuff. But here's the truth. Research tells us, research tells us that note-taking, journaling, writing down what God said to you in a sermon, writing down what was said in the sermon, improves dramatically your learning and your retention because you are actively participating rather than simply being a passive listener, engaging. You remember more of what you hear and what you read. In fact, we know that physically it creates new pathways in the brain so that you retain more of the information. And, and, uh, this is not meant to be negative in any way, but it's just factual. Handwritten notes work better at that than digital notes. Nothing wrong with digital, but handwritten is even better at retaining information. We also know from research that when you read Scripture, interacting with a physical paper copy leads to more engagement than reading digitally for the average person. So just something for you to be aware of. So I'm encouraging the old-fashioned thing of get a Bible and mark it up. Get an ink pen and write in your journal. Bring this with you on Sundays and take notes on the sermon. Why? Because you want to grow. God wants you to grow. We want you to grow. We want you to experience Christ and to develop your life as a disciple. Be filled with light. In Vision 21, I mentioned there's a paragraph on growing disciples. The last sentence in that paragraph about growing disciples says that the outcome, the outcome that we want is for you and me, for each of us to be able to spiritually feed ourselves. And that means whether it's Monday morning or Monday afternoon or Monday night or Thursday at 2 o'clock, whenever it is, that you are able to take the Word of God, the Holy Spirit who lives within you, and have an experience with Jesus Christ and His Word where you spiritually feed yourself and you're not dependent on a podcast, you're not dependent on a TV preacher, you're not dependent on me, you're not dependent on a Sunday school teacher, but you are able to have an encounter with Jesus Christ every day of your life because you are able to feed yourself. And some of you have been saved for 20 years. It's about time you learned how to feed yourself. 
This is how you'll do it. You just got to get in there and do it. That baby picks up that spoon. And have you ever watched a baby eat? How's your boy doing? How old is he now? 19 months. Looks just like his grandfather. And um, they're messy. They get it all over themselves. They get it in their hair. They get it over their, all over their clothes. They get it all over the floor. But they eventually learn how, right? We all learn how, but we all made messes when we first started. So, yes, this may be a little bit awkward when you start if you've never done this. But I promise you, if you will be disciplined and do it, you will learn how. But you will never learn how if you don't do it. You want to feed yourself spiritually? Now that, that, yes, we still need Sunday school. We still need worship. We still need podcasts. We still need to be with the people of God. But brothers and sisters, I don't want you eating one meal a week. God's got good stuff for you Monday through Saturday. Learn to spiritually feed yourselves. I'm about done. Let me wrap, wrap this up. So when Jesus says all this in the Sermon on the Mount, who's he talking to? Hmm? Who's he talking to? Matthew chapter 5, Sermon on the Mount begins by saying, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went upon the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, so there was a crowd, but he was really talking to his disciples, to his followers. Everything in these three chapters, Jesus is saying to us, to me and to you, his disciples, his followers. And, and, and it's so we can grow. But let me make one last point, okay? It's not just so we can grow. It's so we can fulfill the purpose of the church and of our lives, which is not only to love God and love people, but God's called each of us to make disciples. And here's the thing. If I can't grow as a disciple. I can't help anybody else become a disciple. And if I don't know how to spiritually feed myself, how am I ever going to feed anybody else? And in this Sermon on the Mount, in chapter 5, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Just like his word, his truth is the light that helps us see how to live and what to do. He said, as my light shines in you and through you, you then are the light in this dark world for all who are lost. You are the light of the world. City set on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket but on the lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. And then he said, let your light, let your light, let your light shine before men in such a way they can see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You see, you need the Word of God. You need that engagement so God can fill you with His light as you live and then you become a light to others. Do you have anybody in the room who likes Johnny Cash? Yeah, I thought there might be some. Johnny Cash had an older brother named Jack who died when he was 12. He was, it was an accident. He was pulled into a 
a table saw and injured and he died from from those injuries. And a few years ago when the movie about Johnny Cash's life, Walk the Line, came out, there's one scene in there that uh, just really grabbed my attention. It's, it's Johnny and his little brother, his older brother Jack, they're in bed together and Jack is uh, reading the Bible. And Jack was their dad's favorite. Jack was a hard worker and he was a good, he was a good kid and Johnny was always getting in trouble and his dad uh, you know, struggled with alcohol and it just wasn't a good relationship. So they're late. these brothers are in bed together and Johnny asks his brother, he says, Jack, why are you so good? And Jack says, I ain't. Johnny says, you pick five times more cotton than I do. And Jack said, well, I'm bigger than you. Johnny, Johnny said, well, Jack, you know every story in Scripture. And Jack said, well, you know every song in Mama's hymnal. Johnny said, songs are easy. Jack said, they ain't for me. And then Johnny Cash said to his older brother, he said, there's more words in the Bible than in the heavenly highway hymns. And Jack looked at him and said, look, J.R., if I'm going to be a preacher someday, because that was the dream that God put on his older brother's heart, if I'm going to be a preacher one day, I've got to know the Bible from front to back. I mean, you can't help nobody if you can't tell them the right story. See, one of the reasons we don't invite people to church, we don't witness to people, one of the reasons some of you didn't give an ornament to your one It's because spiritually you've been starving. As a disciple, you've not been eating consistently. And it's hard to spiritually feed somebody else when you never spiritually feed yourself. So our word this coming year, clarity, I want you to gain greater clarity in your relationship with Jesus Christ. I want you to engage with his word and gain clarity as to what God's wanting to do in your life. I want you to gain clarity in your role as a husband or as a, a wife, as a child, as a parent. Clarity in your role as a servant. I want you to be able to hear from God and to do that. You've got to engage with him. So I'm challenging everybody in the room to engage with Jesus by engaging with his word and asking him to speak to your heart and to your life this year. Bury his word in your heart. Hide it in your heart. Make the effort. Make the effort. Make the effort. Make the effort. And watch what God does. Let's stand. Team is going to lead us in singing this song. And uh, pastors are here at the front. We have men and women who are eager to pray with you and to help you. And as we sing this song, you're invited to the altar. There's a kneeling bench here. It's padded so it won't hurt your knees. There's a kneeling bench all the way around this platform, all the way around this altar. And get on your knees and make a commitment. Say, Jesus, I am doing this. I'm reading the New Testament this year. I'm going to do that reading plan. I may hate to journal, never have journal, but I'm going to write down what you say to me, God. I'm even going to take down some notes when that hog man tries to preach. Because, Jesus, I want to be a disciple who's growing and is able to help others become disciples. 
I don't want to just know your word. I want to know you. I want an encounter with you, Jesus Christ. So come and seal your commitment to the Lord. If you want to join First Baptist Church, come to Jamie or Steve. Or if you need to be baptized, see our beautiful sister here on the front who was baptized last week. If you need to be baptized, come and say, I've accepted Christ, but I need to publicly identify with Jesus and be baptized. And there are people in the room, you're not followers of Jesus. You're not a disciple. You believe he's real, but you don't know him. You're not committed to him. Come and talk to one of these pastors if you'd like to know Jesus, and they'll answer your questions and help you know how to pray. Give your life to Jesus and begin following him in a loving, obedient relationship. Let's sing together, and you come now.